0: Well, we're in a series called Authentic Christianity, and we're studying through the the letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians called 2 Corinthians. And and we've seen that there are amazing things that happen when this life is actually lived the way it was meant to. Uh, uh, We understood, I hope, and grabbed hold of what Paul begins with in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, where he says that, you know what, if I'm living this life, I find myself, I don't have to manufacture it, I find within me an unquenchable optimism. I it, that's just what faith does I find unvarying success I find overall my life is amazingly successful and I always in the end get the victory I find it that God uses me and uses you when we're allowing him to work in us this way to make an un, un just an undeniable uh, impact and unforgettable impact into people's lives and, and you find this these things happening and then Paul says but how could this be and, then, and he says, how does this kind of life become possible? And he says, you know what it comes down to is grace. It comes down to the grace of God. Uh, it's not something we manufacture. It's not a, a do list. It's not found in the Old Testament law. It's found when I just allow myself and you allow yourselves to receive the grace of God. And then you begin to look at Jesus. And the more you focus on Jesus and the more your life is enveloped in him. Well, what happens is transformation takes place. Now, Paul says this life's so amazing, it begins to also cause us to look at things differently. That's what we saw last week, and and it changes our perspective. We look at other people differently, we look at ourselves differently, and we look at life differently. Uh, I'm going to talk about this book at least a couple times today. I want to recommend The Reason for God by Tim Keller. It is literally one of the most amazing books I've read in a while. And and, uh, Tim Keller says something in here that really grabbed me. He says, and by the way, let me kind of stop. If you are really wondering whether Christianity is true, if you're wondering even the question, is there a God, this book's for you. But I want to tell you something he said in there that really makes sense. He says, you know, a lot of us need glasses at different times in our life, and some of you need to wear them all the time. Some of us need them for reading. But you know what is, is if you go to an eye doctor and he or she actually begins to check your eyes, and then they have you take the glasses and put them on, and if they're the correct lenses, then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, everything lo- makes sense. Everything looks right. And, and and Keller says this. He says, when you and I begin to put on the lenses of Christianity and we look at life through, through the truths of the, of the Word of God that are revealed here, when you begin to look at life that way, all of a sudden, when you put it on, everything makes sense. I, it makes sense uh, uh, in the area of just practical living it makes sense in the area of psychology it makes sense in the area of science science all of a sudden it begins to come together in an amazing way and 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 it makes sense uh, sociologically it makes sense in, in relationships and all of a sudden you begin to realize not only is there a God there is one but he has given us a message and a way to live that just makes sense and one of the reasons you can know Christianity is true is when you put on these lenses it all works it all comes together and God wants your life to work and God wants your life to come together. And so Paul says something amazing in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. He says, in working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Now I want you to think about those words, because we're going to read the section in a second, but grab hold of what he said. He goes, "Working with Jesus, letting Jesus work with you and you now working with Him, because we saw last week that we have an amazing calling. Everybody who's a, a follower of Christ is called to be an ambassador of Christ to take this message of grace to other people and to receive it into our life. And, he, and Paul says, "But you know what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to ha- receive this in vain." I don't want it, now that you know it, now that you've experienced it, I don't want it to become useless to you. Now, think about that. How does the grace of God become vain? But before we get into that, let's read the section together. He goes, working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he, Jesus says, at the acceptable time I listened to you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no cause for offense in anything so that the ministry will not be discredited. But in everything, commending ourselves as servants of God. In much endurance, in afflictions, in hardship, in distresses. In beatings, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in hunger, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in genuine love. Notice verse 7. In the word of truth, in the power of God, by the weapons of righteousness, for the right hand and the left hand, by glory and dishonor, by evil report and good report, regarded as deceivers, yet true, as unknown, yet well known, as not dying, yet behold, we live as punished, yet not put to death, as sorrowful, yet also rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing all things. Now, I know we read through that last part real quickly, but I want to just have you catch what Paul's saying. In every situation, this works. In every possible circumstance, it works. When the economy is good, it works. When the economy is bad, it works. When your house is overflowing with food, it works. And when you just can't seem to somehow make it through, it works. It works in a society like the United States where overall, we're pretty well off. And if we go into the poorest areas of the world, this works. It works when you're free, it works when you're in prison. It works, why? Because the word of truth is here. When you put on these lenses and you begin to live life this way, it works. And he says, don't let it be in vain. Don't let it not happen. Don't let yourself miss out on this. Did you catch what it says there when he talks about the whole idea in verse seven, in the word of truth and the power of God. Now, I want you to know that God is just as active today as he's ever been. Last week, we saw it in an amazing way. Just this last Sunday, uh, uh, on Sunday night, I gave the invitation. Actually, on Sunday morning, in the 11 o'clock service, I gave the invitation. And, and a, a man who had just never been to church here before was so touched with the gospel that he and his girlfriend came forward. And they're sitting in the back room, and Noah, one of our, our college guys, was the one sitting and, and talking with them about this decision they just made. And he looked at the, the, girl, the girlfriend, and he said, okay, so do you know the Lord? And she looked at him and said, you know what, I am mad at God. And I, I, I don't even want to talk about it right now. I'm just here for him. And, he, and Noah said, well, why are you mad at God? And she said, because my brother is in Iraq, and we haven't heard from him in seven months. And until I know he's okay, I, I don't want to have anything to do with the Lord. And Noah said, okay, well, let's pray about that. And he prayed about it, and they went on to talk, and all of a sudden, her phone starts beeping, and she picks it up and looks at it, and it's a text message from her brother. He says, I want you to know I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. So she gave her life to Christ last week. You you can imagine that, right? Last week, a woman had some pretty horrible things hit her, and uh, she showed up at church on Sunday night, and uh, we said we were going to do communion differently, and we asked people, it was kind of chaotic to take communion trays and to just pray about who to go to and go. And the whole message last Sunday night was on listening to the voice of God, obeying these promptings that come from him, and, and just trusting him with them. Well, she walked in here, and she had just resolved that's it. I'm going to divorce my husband. She literally hadn't told anyone she had come to this conclusion. And and the worship went on and the message went on and then it was time for communion. And and a, a man who she never has met before, she did not know, he doesn't know her family, he walked up to give her the tray and he looked at her. And she said he got this funny look on his face and then he said, God doesn't want you to divorce your husband. And he handed her the tray. And she's like, oh, now, we're seeing the power of God work. It, it, it works. And if, if if you allow yourself to receive this grace and live in this grace, we see God beginning to work in amazing ways. And that's what Paul says. He goes, but don't don't miss out on how this happens. Notice in verse 1 it says, and working together with him. Notice that life is meant, you were meant to live your life in an intimate, personal way with Jesus. And when we don't do that, we miss out on everything. But, but I want to tell you this, the whole idea behind it is, is our life needs to be literally lived with him and for him in every single possible way. Uh, uh, when we act like that, that, you know, well, we'll just give Jesus a part of our life, we've missed it. Every time anybody tried to do that, you know what Jesus said? No. A guy said, well, Lord, I'll follow you one day uh, uh, when my father dies. And Jesus said, no, then you won't come at all. Uh, another guy says, well, you know what, you know, I'll, I'll kind of be with you for a period of time. And Jesus said, no, you won't. And Jesus has always said, it's all or nothing. Uh, Francis Chan, in a book called Crazy Love, just said it so well. Uh, He said this, he says, we sometimes have this misguided view of God where we believe that God's up there just wishing we would spend some time with him. And if we would just give him a moment, then God would be so pleased. And I want you to know, if that's your view of God, you've missed it. You are talking about the God who is bigger than 350 billion galaxies. And he looks down on them like they're nothing. Who time passes in a moment. Who can move a nation. And when he looks at you and says, I will allow you to have a relationship with me. If you act like, well, you can just give him the kind of a little bit of the time of day. Let me tell you, he he looks at you and says, who are you? Who are you to think you could do that to me and with me? But yet he loves you and he cares about you. And he says, if you'll love me with all your heart, mind, and soul, then I'll love you in a way and guide you in a way and move in a way in your life that's amazing. And and when we allow this amazing relationship to occur with a God who's beyond all our comprehension, then, then things begin to happen. And Paul says, don't miss out on that. Working together with him. It changes everything. Uh, I took statistics at Cal State Fullerton. I had an amazing professor. I loved him. And the professor was telling about a time that he gave a final exam. And he said that if anything you can get on an 8.5 by 11 piece of paper, you can bring and it'll help you in the final of your statistics. And so what happened is uh, the day came for the final and uh, one of the students walked in and he took an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper and he set it on the floor and, and one of this guy's friends walked over and stood on it. He had gotten his PhD in statistics. And the professor looked and said, what are you doing? And he goes, he fits on the paper. And the professor said, I, I was so taken with that what a great idea that was I let him do it and he got an A I mean this guy just stood there guiding him through he just was so sharp and you know what the Lord says he says live life with me Paul says if you want the effective amazing authentic life it's got to be lived with Jesus you know it just probably makes sense Christian Christ they got to come together somewhere And the whole idea of the word Christian is is we belong to him. We follow him. We live with him. And the Lord says, I want to be there. It's an amazing promise. In Isaiah, it says, I will be your teacher, and I will walk behind you, and I will tell you to turn to the right and to the left. I will guide you in every way of your life. Jeremiah says, in in Jeremiah 10, I love this. He said, I know, O Lord, that it's not in man who walks to direct his own steps. And and so God says, I want to guide you. I want to uh, move you. I I want to show you things. I want you to experience things with me. And he offers that to us. And Paul says, don't miss out on what it means. This whole amazing life is lived with him. And he says in verse 1, and working together with him. Now going out and doing things with him, being ambassador of him, sharing him, uh, uh, sharing life with him. He says, working together with him. We urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Let's talk about what that means. First of all, it's in vain if we don't access it. Uh, A few years ago, Pam and I, when we were doing youth ministry, I had a travel agent come to me, and he said, you know, you guys have been doing so much uh, uh, with our office. I want to give a free trip to Hawaii, airfare, hotel, car, all-inclusive package. It's just yours. You you just do with it what you want. Well, we were having a big youth event, and I announced we've got this free trip to Hawaii, and so we're going to allow someone to win it. And so we just had a drawing, and, and this one college girl won, and she's screaming and yelling, and her friends are excited because she can actually bring somebody else, And, and they decided maybe a couple more would go. And uh, it, 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 so they, they booked the trip, and they get all set for it. And uh, then I get a phone call. And uh, two of the girls called, and they said, "Chuck, uh, do you know where?" And they named the other two girls, and I said, "No, I don't know where they are." And they said, "We're at the airport." And uh, the plane's going to be boarding, and we haven't seen them. And here's the shocker to me. Not just one, two of the girls had forgotten which day the trip was. And so they never showed up. Here's this amazing experience waiting for them. Here's this incredible opportunity. No refund. You have to go once it's booked. That was it. They had to go. And, And they end up missing out on it because they just never showed up. Could you imagine how sad it would be if God looks at you and says, I'm offering you this relationship, but it becomes vanity to you because you never experience it. The grace of God is available for everyone, no matter what you've done, no matter who you've been, and it's it's for you, but you've got to choose to accept it. It's that grace and how vain it would be to have this offered to you and not receive it. And God says, I want you to receive it. I want you to have it. Uh, I look back in chapter 5, verse 21, and it says, And he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, now notice it says that Jesus has this amazing thing that happened where he actually became sin on our behalf. And, and it says, don't miss out on this. Don't miss out on this. Um, and the reason for God, uh, Tim Keller's uh, quoting John Stott. And I got to read this quote to you. I hope it'll make sense. John Stott actually wrote this quote in the Cross of Christ, a book. And it says this. The essence of sin is we human beings substituting ourselves for God while the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for us. Think about that. The essence of sin is we live our life just doing what we want to do. Believing that life revolves around us acting like everything is, is supposed to be for us and, and just trying to get significance in our life uh, uh, by not really tuning into who God is. And so what we do is every time we don't choose to allow God to be God in our life, to really lead us, to guide us, to govern us, well, then we become God and that's the essence of sin. And, and by the way, we do it in lots of ways. You, you could take something very, very good and make it horribly sinful by, by twisting it in something it shouldn't be. Uh, an easy one is sex outside of marriage it is, is a twist of what God wanted sex to be. But how about this? When, when someone says, well, my life's all about me being the best mother ever. Well, you know what? As good as that is, you actually are twisting it when you make that yourself think you can do that apart from God. And you've taken something beautiful, being a mom, the amazing responsibility that God could empower you to do. And when you act like, well, I'm going to do it on my own, well, you've taken something beautiful and turned it into something horrible. But when you do it with the right attitude under the empowering of God and not make it a vain thing, well, then it becomes amazing. And, and when we understand the essence of sin is our substituting ourselves for God, while the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for us, God taking on our sin, God taking on our pains, God taking on our hurt. Stott goes on to say this, we put ourselves where only God deserves to be, but God put himself where we deserve to be. Now, now, that's what Jesus did. Jesus said, you know what? I don't want you to put yourself where, where only I should be, as God, as the governor of your life, as the leader. So don't do that. He says, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put myself where you deserve to be. Where was that? In a place of judgment. Where, when we understand the cross, Jesus got on that cross and said, you deserve this, but I'm going to take it so that you can have a life that you never deserved. So you're going to live in a way that's amazing and beyond yourself. And don't let this grace come to you in vain. It's vain if you don't receive it. Now how about this? It's vain if we don't share it. It's vain if we don't fulfill the calling God has in our life, our ministry. It's a vain thing. Remember, it says that, that God wants us to be his ambassadors that Jesus wants us to go out and share. He wants us to go out and beg people to come to know him. Uh, He wants us to to plead with them and and, and talk with them and and put energy into other people coming into this amazing grace. And it's vain. It becomes vanity if we don't go share it with others. I'm going to read you one of the scariest passages of Scripture you've ever heard. Some of you right now, let me tell you, I'm going to read something and you're going to go, that can't be true. But I want to tell you it's true. And I want to ask you not to do this. Don't play mental Olympics with it and try to twist it into anything other than what it actually says. Because I want to say it's so scary, and it really is, that I've watched people go, oh, no, no, no. it can't be, therefore, because I have these preconceived notions, and I don't want it to be true. Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to twist it into saying something it doesn't say. Listen to Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 16 to 21. At the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, I have appointed you a watchman to the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth and warn them from me, when I, or whenever you hear a word from my mouth, warn them from me. When I say to the wicked, you will surely die and you do not warn him or speak out to warn the wicked of his wicked way that he may live That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Yet if you have warned the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered yourself. Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I place an obstacle before him, he will die since you have not warned him. He shall die in his sin and his righteous deeds that he has done shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. However, if you have warned the righteous man that the righteous should not sin and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took warning and you have delivered yourself. He said, Ezekiel, I've given you this message. If you don't share it and that person dies, it's your fault. You were the answer for them. Now, I want to say that this passage speaks to you and me today. Do you know what? Why are you living next door to the person you're living next door to? It's not an accident. And if you don't share Christ with them, who will? The people you work with, if you don't share Christ with them, who will? And when they die, not knowing of the love of Jesus, not knowing of the difference he would make... There's people who are going to die never hearing, and they're going to go to hell. And God's going to look at us and say, why didn't you share? And we have this weird attitude of, oh, someone else will. No, 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 you're the one. There's a spiritual battle being fought over souls. And the problem we have today is we have a very complacent attitude amongst American Christians that act like, well, someone else will do it. No, 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 you need to understand, you and I are appointed as watchmen. You live with the people you live with. You have the family you have, the friends you have. You are the ambassador that God sent. And if you don't share, God says, I will let them die. But I'm going to let you know you're responsible. I mean, don't you catch the gravity of that. It's the grace of God becomes vanity if it's given to us and we don't go share it with anybody else. And God says, I don't want that to be the case for you. I don't want to have you have that happen in your life. You see, the thing is, is that we should be passionate about a people. And I want to tell you that, that I want to do this with you in partnership for the vast majority of us. Uh, I think that you know that there has never been a time we gather together where I'm not going to share a gospel message. And, and give an invitation. And so if you say, well, you know what? I, sometimes I just don't know the thing to say. Well, I want to ask you to do this. Pray, pray, pray for me. And then pray for the person you're sharing with. And then get them to come here. And, and maybe God will use me to help you and partnership with you to see that person come to know him. Or you know what? Maybe I'll get them so riled up that at least you'll have great discussions later. Right? But, you know, I'm gonna, we need to be passionate about it. So I want to ask the question, who have you been inviting? Who have you been begging to come? Who are you praying over constantly? Who are you praying, oh, God, please, I want them to know you. Show me a way. Open a door. Now, by the way, I want to go ahead and share something with you. I want to ask every single one of us today to think of five people that we desperately desire to have come know Jesus Christ. And then I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to really pray for them. Pray for them every day from now till September 14th. And I want you to try to get them here September 14th. We're going to call it the Fave Five Day. Who's in your Fave Five? And, and let me tell you why these kinds of days are important. Let's just talk about that. Because your friends who uh, don't know Christ, uh, there's probably times you've asked them to come and they go, oh, okay, but, but you've got to realize, if you're not a Christian... It's a, it's a scary thing to walk on this campus, don't you think? Do you remember how hard it was your first time? I, I, people have all these weird ideas. They think that when they come in, we're going to shine a spotlight. Hi, you're the new person. Stand up and tell us about your. And they don't want that. But, but you know what? If you let them know, hey, there's a special day coming, and there's going to be a lot of new people there, well, that makes it easier for them to come. It really does. But here's the better part of it. I'm going to ask you to pray and pray and pray for them, and then I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to go and make an approach to each one of your five and say, hey, our church is having a day in September where everyone's going to ask the people in their life that are their favorite people. And I can't imagine anybody who's more favorite to you than me. So I, would, I want you to know that it would just be awesome if you could come and be with us that day. Now, I got to tell you, that, that makes it a little easier to invite they know they're not going to be the only known person they know the reason you're asking them because they mean so much to you and 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 when they come that day we have a, a we're kicking off a series called tapestry but I have a very special way of presenting the gospel message that I think will be impactful and we can do this together but you know what the most important thing I can say right now is Paul is saying to us don't 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 let the grace of God be vain because you won't go share. He says, it's a vain thing if we won't go out and bring this message to other people. You and I were called to be ambassadors. You and I are called to live this life in an incredible way. You know, I know you've heard this before, but, there's, but right now, God loves you so much, he would prefer to have you in heaven. He really would. Uh, Friday, Pam and I were privileged to be a part of the, the memorial service for Christopher Laurie. Greg Laurie's son, it was an amazing time of they celebrating what God had done in his life in those sh- few years. And, and, and by the way, I gotta say real quickly, uh, it brought me to tears to hear that when the Corona Fire Department rolled on the scene that a bunch of the men are Christians, and when they realized who it was, they started sharing, you know what? We gave our life to Christ because of the ministry of Greg Laurie, and they stood and they prayed over his son. And I thought that was incredible. But... Um, You know what I want to say to you is when you start realizing how short life is and you start realizing how quick things can happen, then then it makes us more than ever say we just, just have to share. We can't keep back. We can't stop. We can't not get the word out because you never know what's going to happen. You know, every one of us who gets on that 91, you never know when your moment's going to come. And uh, we need to have the attitude that says, I can't hold back. I can't do this in in a vain way. I've got to be a part of it. So it's vanity if we don't share this ministry, if we don't share this message. It becomes vanity, you ready for this, if you try to work for it. Uh, uh, Jesus doesn't want you to work for it. He doesn't want you to feel you have to earn the relationship. The reality is this Christian life is not spelled do. It's all these things you do. The Christian life is spelled done. It was done by him. It was finished by him. And, and the, the most exciting thing about it all is that we don't act, act, actually have this attitude that says, okay, now that I'm a Christian, uh, well, I have to do all these things to get God's love. It, we do them because we have his love. Galatians 3 says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit... The Holy Spirit. How did you receive the Holy Spirit? He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Now, i got to tell you that sometimes we get this kind of weird view of what it means to live the Christian life. Clearly, there are things we do, but the motivation is primary to receiving and understanding the grace of God. The reason I want to love him, the reason I want to have a quiet time every morning, the reason I want to pray is because he loves me and he's forgiven me and I, I want to share life with him. The reason I want to tell other people about Jesus is because he loves me and, and it's, that's the motivation. I don't do it to get his love. I met an amazing young girl one time and I could tell she was struggling with things. And finally, when we sat down, I, I said, Wow, you know, you're a straight A student, you're amazing in sports. I mean, you're an awesome Christian girl. Something's wrong, though. What is it? And she got so emotional. She said, Chuck, it's never enough. My mom and dad, it's never enough with them. Uh, I came home last week, and I got an A minus on a a midterm paper. And my dad said, why did you get the minus? And he just started looking at the questions I missed and was so angry at me. The last game I didn't get a hit, and my dad was angry I didn't get a hit. Yet the team won, and and I'm gonna be first team all CIF. It's never enough with him, And, and I don't know what to do. And here's the word she said to get his love. She wanted his love so badly. Now, my guess is he probably loved her, but And he probably had this misguided view that if he made her attain all these things. Well, you know what? Sometimes we need to understand God doesn't do that. You know what? Some of us are gonna do something this week we shouldn't do. Now, I don't have a plan, by the way, to do that. (laughs) But let me tell you how God feels about you if you do it. He loves you anyway. You know, some of you tomorrow morning, you're not gonna get up and have a quiet time. God loves you. He's not gonna stop. Some of you, uh, uh, you know what, is, is you're probably not going to obey certain things he wishes and desires and wills for you. He's still going to love you. And I don't want you to miss that. The grace of God is cheapened when we act like we've done something to deserve his love. Uh, when we go, well, the reason that, that I have this relationship is because I do this, 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 and this. And the answer, God says, no, I'd I love you even if you didn't do it. And uh, That's what we need to grab hold of. This grace is amazing, and it's offered to you. And when you access it, it's just an amazing thing. And we don't want to turn it into something that's vain. It becomes vanity, by the way, if we don't take on the righteousness of Jesus. See, in verse 21, remember the last chapter, it says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, now, again, God's going to love you no matter what, but we, we miss out on what this grace does in our life if we don't take on the righteousness of God. And in 2 Peter 2, 20 to 22, it says this, for if after they have escaped, they are people who have fallen away, after they have escaped the defilement of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state is worse than the first, for it'd be better... For them not to have known the way of righteousness and having known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. It happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit and a sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. Now, now grab hold of that. The Lord says to you, now that I've bathed you in the blood of Christ and made you clean and I have this amazing life for you to live and it's a life of purity and a life with relationships that are right. God says, don't go back to the other. And he says, because it makes what I'm doing and want to do with you, it causes the grace not to work effectively in you. Uh, You know, if someone comes to the Lord and he frees them from alcoholism and then you turn back to it, 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 why, God says, why would you go back to let this enslave you when I've set you free? Uh, 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 When God says, I want you to take on the purity, I want you to take on this life. Why? Because it's a better life to live. And, and it becomes vanity if we have access to the power of God, this grace power in our life to be freed from those old things and not to live the right way. God says, you just got, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. He says, I, I want you to understand it becomes vanity for you. By the way, it becomes vanity if we don't accept this gracious gift by putting it off for some other time. I uh, was doing a, a camp one year. I was leading a camp at Angeles Crest Christian Camp. And uh, a man was terrorizing our camp. He was sneaking in at night and looking into girls' cabins. And uh, there's a Girl Scout camp close by. He was doing it there. Now, you could already imagine just the, the terrified feeling a young girl would have if she doesn't know uh, in any moment this guy might sneak up to her cabin and open the door. And, and, and so the girls were freaked out. And, of course, we're trying to take measures to stop it. And, by the way, we eventually caught the guy. But... Um, What happened is the Girl Scout leaders came up to talk to us about how we could stop this guy, and that we were getting ready to have the campfire and the speaking time, and so I said, well, tonight our speaker's not here, I can't be with you, I need to go speak, and we'll talk afterwards, so they sat down, and um, I gave the the message, and then I gave the invitation, and one of the women, one of the Girl Scout leaders comes forward and gives her life to Christ, and see, God can use every, anything, you know, and so that, that traumatic experience actually brought them to hear the message. Well, I'm talking with her afterwards, so excited that she came and she gave her life to the Lord, and I looked at her friend and I said, well, what about you? And she looked at me and said, well, I think I'm probably going to become a Christian one day. And I said, well, I don't want to be mean or pressure you, but let me have you think this through. Being a Christian is about entering a love relationship with Jesus Christ. So you're telling me that someday you might fall in love with him. And she goes, what? I said, could you imagine there's this guy, and he comes up and says, I want to marry you. And you say, you know what? I I don't love you right now, but on June 3rd, I think I'm going to fall in love with you. And she goes, well, that, and I said, that's what you're saying to God. Here's the question. Do you love him or not? And she goes, "Well, well, I think I do. And I said, well, do you know he loves you? And she said, yeah. I said, well, that's what being a Christian is. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't wrestle through things if you're not ready. But I got to say this. If you catch the point, it's not about coming to an intellectual ascent uh, with God. It's about entering a relationship with him. And it's vanity if we put this off and we don't access that love and we act like we're not going to do it. That's why, look what it says in verse 2. And Jesus says, or he says, at the acceptable time I listened to you and on the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is this moment. Now is this time. Now we should access this, he says. And Paul goes on to say that, you know what, we're going to do anything and everything for people to know it. Look at verse 3. It says, giving no cause for offense in anything so that the ministry will not be discredited. But in everything, commending ourselves as the servants of God. Now, Now the whole idea he says here is in anything and everything, I'm going to do whatever I can. To not only have this relationship with the Lord, but to see other people come to know him. And and he says, that's my great desire. So I look at how I can do that. I look at ways we can be effective in it. And he says, I'd use anything and everything. And by the way, God does that. He uses times of celebration and amazing moments uh, uh, where people are joyous. and, and, And to get the grace of God out. And then sometimes he uses the saddest, hardest, most amazing tragedies of all. I um, have a friend who um, is one of my best friends, and, and I remember he and I, when we first met, I was already engaged to Pam, and he didn't have a girl, and we'd pray about the girl that he would meet one day, and I love this guy's heart. I love his ability to minister, and I thought, God, you got to bring the right girl along. Well, he did. I, this beautiful, wonderful girl came along and fell in love with him. And she was gifted and talented and committed to Christ. And a lot of that went back to her family. And I got to meet her family. Her family, just amazing family. And uh, the dad was one of those guys who always put God first and his family first and others first. And and the mom too. And so that meant that, you know, in their case, they had prayed about it. And they wanted their kids in Christian school. And so the dad worked extra hours to make that happen. And he also carved out quality family time. And they didn't get to do a lot of the things they wanted to do. And then they wanted their three kids to go to college, a Christian college and, at Hope University. And so he worked extra to make that happen. And, 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 and he, they did without a lot of things to make that occur because he reprioritized his life not around what he wanted, but what he believed God wanted and his kids needed. And, and so that's how he lived. And you would say, well, that's awesome. And he gave quality time to them and he made sure they experienced quality things. Well, um, when the, the last daughter graduated from college, uh, they all, and, and my friend and and um, his, his, the other daughter had married. They gathered together to celebrate the college graduation. And he announced to them, he said, now that we've done this, uh, I have a surprise for your mom. And the mom said, what? And he said, I'm, I want to take you on a Mediterranean cruise. And she goes, what? We can't afford that. He goes, oh, no, no, now we can. We've been paying for all this college, and, and we're done. And, and uh, he said, we can do it. And, and he said, not only that, I, I want to tell you something um, I'm going to retire early so I can spend more time. And the mom's crying. She goes, really? And, and so he just announced this. He said, yeah, we'll be able to make it, and we're going to do the cruise. And, 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 and it was just a moment. Well, it was about three weeks before the cruise when all of a sudden he woke up in the middle of the night with this r- horrible headache, pounding and crying. And he said, I don't know what's wrong. They went to emergency, and they went, started looking in his eyes, and they said, something's wrong here. And they did a, a, a scan and they said, wow, you have got a very advanced tumor. And uh, we're going to have to try to do some radical things to get you through this. But they said, you know what, it's as far and as advanced and where this is, we just have to tell you it doesn't look good. So he's admitted into the hospital just days away from finally doing this cruise, finally experiencing this. And it, it just made it more devastating that, that they didn't get to do it. The pain just kept more intense and more intense, and the doctors were doing everything they can to help them manage the pain. And um, my friend and, and this guy's kids, they would go to the hospital, and they would walk in the room, and he would be in the most amazing pain you could imagine, and he would tell jokes and laugh, but then at times he would shake because it hurt so bad. And, and during this time, I know my... I was talking to my friend. He said, Man, we started wrestling with God. If you're there, why? Why now? Why not let him have this? Why? And, and they just couldn't get over it. And then one night it just got so bad. The family's there. They're so shaken. And my friend walked outside and he sat down in that kind of waiting room area. And one of the nurses walked over and said, Are you okay? And he said, No, I'm not. And she said, I have to tell you something. I'm watching this how tragic the situation is for you and for this family I, and how much you love each other, but I need to tell you that 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 man in there is changing our lives. We know the pain he's in, but he always lifts us up. he knows us by name he the staff when we walk in we we're we're starting to pray for him, and I need to tell you none of us have ever done that before, and he's talking to us about christ and she goes, I've never gone to church. And she goes, to be honest, I, if you had asked me a week ago if there was a God, I would have said probably not. But now that I've met this man, I'm convinced there's not only a God, I think that Christianity is true. And I want you to know that he's changing our lives. And my friend Rick looked at her and said, well, have you made that commitment yet? And she said, no. He goes, well, let's do it now. Let's do it before he passes. And so they walk in in the midst of this horrible pain. He looks at his father-in-law and says, guess what? She's ready. And he's crying and he goes, then all this was worth it. And he holds her hands and she prays that prayer and gives her life to the Lord in that room with the family. The next day he passed away. But at his funeral, amongst lots and lots of other people that were there, there was eight nurses who had been a part of caring for him that all came to the funeral and all gave their lives to Christ because of him. And Paul says we use anything and everything to get this message out, and so does God. God always gets the victory. And that's why when you read that big list that comes, and I want to encourage you to read it later, he says in hunger and in pain and in this and in that, God always works. And what is so amazing about this life we live with him is when you're successful, it works, and when you're in your hard times, it works. And God says, I always want this grace to move in you. And I want to ask you today, is today a day where you can say beyond a shadow of a doubt, the grace of God is moving in my life? And if it's not, I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to open up to it. While you don't need to earn it, you have to say yes to receive it. And by the way, Even some of you today, you're already followers of Christ. You're already Christians. But let me say this to you. If you got really honest, you might say, okay, I do believe, but I'm not experiencing this life with him. Then I want to ask you to receive the grace of God to do it. And for you, it may mean to recommit yourself to him. If you're here today and you've never ever experienced this amazing grace, this amazing love that was brought by Jesus when he died on the cross for us, I want to ask you today, are you ready to let him love you and are you ready to love him? And if you are, the way you access this grace is by just saying, I am, Lord, I am, here I am, take me. And in a moment, I'm going to lead a prayer for anybody who wants to commit themselves or recommit themselves to Jesus And I I really want to say, I am just prayed all this morning that there'd be some of you this would happen. And if you want this life, if you want his love, if you want to experience this, I'm going to ask you today to pray that prayer with me right where you're sitting. Just right where you're sitting, just to whisper it. Let's pray it out. Father, I pray and ask that your Holy Spirit would help us, Lord, in every area of our life. Because we, we've learned, those of us who know you, that life is to be lived with you, for you. And by that, you free us, Lord. You free us from sin. You free us from guilt. You free us from those things that would ruin or hurt relationships and effectiveness. And that grace, Lord, that grace you offer is not because of, of what we have to do. It's because of what you've done. So we open up to you now. We ask, Lord, that every one of us who know you, you, you just really revisit us and reinvigorate and us and, and pour that grace upon us even more. And Father, today I pray and I ask, Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit really move now. And I pray you would touch people who need to commit their life to you. I pray you would stir within them upon them And I pray that right now, right where they're sitting, they would know you know them and you love them. And that something deep down inside knows this is their moment. This is their time. Today is the acceptable day. And I pray you'd help them. I'm going to ask that we keep praying. And if you're right with the Lord, would you pray? Pray for people who need to make this decision. But what I'm going to do right now is lead that prayer. I'll say a line of it and just let you pray it with me. And I'm hoping there are some of you right now that you're ready to say yes to the Lord. This is gonna be your day to commit or recommit to him. But I'd like to ask you to do this. If you're gonna pray this prayer with me, would you let me know you're gonna do this by lifting your hand in the air, right where you're sitting. I just wanna know who God's touching, who God's calling right now. And if this is your day and this is your moment, wow, praise God for you and for you. Praise God for each of you. And for you up here, wow, praise the Lord. And for over here, for you too. Praise God and for you. Wow, and right there, praise God for you. And over here, praise the Lord. Man, that's awesome. The reason I ask you to raise hands is it helps me know, and and every one of you who've done it helps me know we're doing this together. Praise the Lord. Wow. And over here for you, too. Actually, all over the building, there's so many, and every one of you individually, God loves. Let's pray this prayer together. Just whisper these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins, to fill me with your love, to lead me in a brand new life. So I say yes. I want your love and I want this life. And I open my heart to you and I ask that you'd fill me with your spirit, with your presence and that you help me be who you have created me to be. And you help me live the life I was always meant to live. Because I'm yours. And I want to know you better and better. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.